guys and welcome back to In The Weeds Podcast. My name's Matty Farrell and I hope everyone is well and staying safe. Have you got agave? Well, you might be putting the syrup on your porridge or in your tea, not realising it's actually the base ingredient for tequila. But if you truly have agave, then you know your way around the agave spirits well, like my three guests today. And this is the first group podcast of the series and some big players from the world tequila join me. We have Jesse Estes of Ocho Tequila, Gabby Moncada, and Gavi Ambassador, and John Ennis, fellow co-founder of GSG, and El Bandita. So we'll look at some of the best tequila scenes and agave spirits bars from around the globe, and we deal with the common misconceptions that's wonderful, and our favourite spirit uh, seems to have in the public realm. So let's sit tight, sip a tequila, and enter the world of agave. Salud. Hey everyone, so tonight we are in episode four of In The Weeds podcast and this is the first group podcast of the series and obviously we're still in times of isolation and lockdown but I'm really happy to have from some of the big names from the world of agave, tequila ambassadors and as well as high, high profile bartenders. So we've got Jesse Estes, tequila ocho, we've got Gabby Moncada, agave ambassador and we've got John Ennis. GSG, my business partner and co-founder. So how's everyone doing tonight? Very good, thank you. You're all good? good? Doing well, thanks, thanks, Matt. Thanks yeah. for having us on. Yeah, guys, thanks for coming on and thanks for your time. So just for the benefit of everyone listening, first and foremost, obviously the world of agave and tequila, they've been ingrained so much in your lives and obviously it's a massively growing industry all the time. Just want to quickly go around all three and ask you know what it what it means to you and how you've got to where you are jesse i was born into it man for me it's pretty 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 straightforward um i've i've quite you know literally right now drinking a margarita and figuratively um got uh tequila running through my veins so i was born into it uh my dad that some of you listening may know is uh tomas estes who's the global sorry, the European tequila ambassador from Mexico. So he's been working with tequila for, God, almost 50 years now. So long before I was, I was born. Yeah. So I kind of got to experience a, a very um, unique way of discovering agave spirits at a fairly young, young age. Um, had a different experience to most people, probably drinking less good quality brands in school for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I want to get your dad on at some point. Need some stories to tell there, I'm sure. Uh, he'd love that, man. But you're going to need like a four, five, <laughs> six-hour podcast for that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get it, have its own series, that I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Gabby? Well, I'm a, a very different story as um, um, Jesse was saying. I was not born into this uh, industry. Basically, I am from Mexico. I am from Guadalajara City, which is a really tequila home. However, in Mexico, as in many places in the world, you grow up, you drink a few, uh, or in a parties or something, you drink a few tequilas, and then you don't have a very good reaction because perhaps you didn't drink the good tequila or you were drinking something different, and uh, somehow you you stop uh, drinking your own spirits. However, I moved to London almost 17 years ago, and it was in London when I fell in love with 
uh, tequila. I was always super Mexican as a culture. I'm in love with my culture and history, but uh, spirits of agave, I wasn't sure about it. Uh, eventually, obviously, meeting so many people, such as Thomas Estes, and many other very good friends, actually, they introduced me somehow to the agave spirits again. Again, I fell in love with them, and now I, um, thanks to um, a consultancy I do, they gave me the uh, title of agave ambassador. In reality, I'm not an agave ambassador to, uh, in reality, but I love it, so I keep using it. But a um, you are definitely an agave ambassador. I'm yeah, I'll say you are. You are uh, definitely an agave. <laughs> no, I'm not, not going to let you say that. Sorry, I'm not going to let you get away with that. <laughs> and I love it. I uh, I fall in love with it. I learned to love also mezcales, which they were a bit challenging for me. Again, I'm from Jalisco. I'm in love with tequila, but then I grew up to to like mezcales and now raicillas and well, there are so many other things. So that's my story. So mine's from bartending. So I was a rum collector uh, back in the day. So uh, the likes of me and Ian Burrell were some of the UK's most uh, well-known people for, for rum. And uh, over the years, I just kind of, um, well, especially when we opened our first bar mat, when we started buying more tequilas, that I just realized that the honesty uh, of the product was far superior to most of the products that I was trying. And when you can afford more good tequilas, and it doesn't cost you anything to start trying them, uh, that's when I really realized that I'd found something uh, or something had found me and it was just, yeah, very special. I wouldn't say I'm massively an agave lover as a whole because uh, I think tequila for myself is my first and foremost thing. I mean, people will ask me questions about agave, uh, Bacanora, Vicea or or whatever it is. But even though I have knowledge of it, I'd still say my my foreground for it is definitely tequila based Mm -hmm. because just there's too much to know about everything and I still know you know a smidgen on you know tequila compared to like sort of maybe Jesse and Jesse's dad and you know it's one of these things where I've, I've just focused it and said well yeah okay I know a lot about you know mezcalis but um, tequila is kind of the one for me. It's changed a lot hasn't it I think the how the public perception of tequila is especially maybe over the last decade still has that thing where people think buying shot headaches, it still exists, I think. And, and I'm, I'm curious because I've known you a number of years and I, I didn't know you used to be a rum aficionado or a rum guy. I've always, <laughs> I've always known you as an agave spirits guy. Out of curiosity, and, and this is to, you know, to Matt's question, what, I know you said it was kind of gradually over time working more and more with tequila in, in, in your bars, but did you have that kind of, was there a moment where you were like, this is tequila and now I get it, or it really just happened progressively over time for you? I think for a while it was, I was torn between the two because uh, my and Matt's first bar that we opened was a rum bar and it had a phenomenal rum collection, like a really impressive one and still has to this day. So Stefano, when Stefano was working for uh, Kay Entrez, um, <laughs> he, he did this thing for me and I did this at the rum distillery and it was, he must have only been working there maybe a few months or whatever, but he got a bottle and he put it in a barrel, filled the barrel up with his hand in it, and then got it out and went, you know, that there you go, and I tasted it, and that was the product, you know. And in a rum distillery, you can't do that. You do that in a rum distillery, you taste the spirit out of the barrel, and it doesn't taste anything like, you know, 
what, what you eventually get. Um, and no, I think no. that, that, was, that was a tipping point for me. And I went, well, really, this is like, what, what I've tasted here is definitely the honesty that I like in the product. And, you know, it speaks to me a lot. So yeah, Stefano, he was the one that... Uh, Ah, in fact, I'll, he's fact, the one to blame for all that tequila yeah, consumed. I was with I was with your dad at the time, right? And then your dad and Phil Bailey went to uh, that Buho um, tequila shop to go and buy some stuff. And he went, "Do you want to go with Stefano?" And he's got some errands to do. And I went, "Yeah, okay." And that was that was it from there and, onwards. The from, beginning of the end. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And for, li- for listeners who don't know the shop that um, John is talking about, it's one of two shops that I think they always compete against each other. And they have, last time I was there, I think it was 1,700 and something tequilas. They actually have the sign out front with the number of tequilas. It's just a crazy amount. Uh, El Bujo, I think, is the one you mentioned, right? Uh, you know what I noticed that so many people who are in love with rum somehow they get hooked in tequila too. There is something about it. I um I wonder how people react, and I would love to to hear more about people who, uh, because I always thought that uh, Scotch whiskies were somehow similar to tequila. I'll find them that they there is some similarities in in many ways, but particularly that. Uh, uh, depending where it comes from, how it tastes, and it's not obviously as a as big difference as a mezcal and me. But for me, it, it's kind of more obvious. I'm a whiskey drinker, but I noticed that it's much more current, or um, many more people actually change from rum to, to tequila, or they like both. Well, one thing I have noticed um, of recent is uh, Don Julio in 1942. If you taste that, I mean, if you put that next to a rum, uh, it's not too far from it at, at all. And it's getting brand called quite a lot. I mean, um, if any of these like reality TV shows in America where you see like, and I always say if I find something or my, my, my wife's watching something and it has a tequila in it, she'll shout at me. And then if I see Ocho, I, I tell Jesse, hey, Jesse, I've seen this. And it's, which, uh, which you, know, you have it before. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Ocho on the back bar. Um, but um, yeah, 1942 is probably going to be a good bridge. You're not going to drink that. And then maybe go and try something else like Casamigos Añejo or something like that. And then maybe go on to Patron Añejo or, and then it'll slowly get, you'll like that. And then they'll try Reposado and, you know, I reckon then you'll get people on the Blanco. But um, there's a, currently a show uh, my wife watches called uh, Housewives of Beverly Hills. And Denise Richards is on it, who, you know, the one who used to be married to Charlie Sheen. And she drinks um, Casamigos Reposado. And she she kicks off if like if she gets it and it's like the blanco and she'll just like you know like that typical snotty like this is this is not this is not reposado this, this is the blanco and you see it and you're like fuck <laughs> you're asking you're asking you know the bit of a strange one and you know anyway it's Casamigos but no, no offense to anyone who likes Casamigos but yeah I think eventually you're gonna end up getting people brand calling you know I think the first cut. Co- Protocol would be if a brand calls something like Patron Blanco, that'll be when we know then that you know people are going to start branching out into other products like Tapateos and Ochos and whatnot. Um, You've got your almost like uh, gateway, you know, like they talk about marijuana when I was growing up as a gateway drug. It's almost like you got your, your gateway tequilas, right? You know, certain things yeah. to get people into the categories and then move their way into stuff that's maybe a little bit more complex and advanced. Um, 
one thing that you guys mentioned, you were talking about the, the similarity in taste between whiskey or rum in this case and um, tequila with Don Julio 1942. I, what, what do you guys think about the feeling of inebriation? So not just the taste, but for me, that's where, that's where I make the connection with rum and tequila is to me, they're more like uppers. They're more like stimulants than they are. Like to me, I love wine. I love whiskey, but those make me sleepy Fat or like, angry or something. You know what? Uh, before, before John said, because I'm sure that, that uh, we have a totally contrary or different uh, point of view. I am... Um, I usually hear people that say that they don't drink tequila because they say that tequila uh, makes them crazy. And I always give, when I give trainings and everything, I always give the example, no, look, I mean, go to a Mexican restaurant and you will see that there is uh, people drinking tequila and somehow uh, they're all happy. I finish some trainings and sometimes particularly for consumers and after two, three tequilas, they are all happy talking to each other. They don't know each other, but they talk to each other. And it's super cool to see that, that people actually opens up, which is amazing. But uh, people say, no, no, I don't like tequila. Because, we've uh, we've never experienced that at Bandito, right, at all. No, that's never that's never happened to us at Bandito. Not not once. Uh, <laughs> but then I always tell people, for me, my uh, I don't drink rum. Or almost never. I think never, almost. I mean, yeah, no. Uh, and uh, it's because for me, rum makes me what people say that they make them, they, they get with, with tequila. For me, my, my no drink is rum. And the reason is I get mad. So maybe it's up, yes, but it's a different app. For me, the sugar or something gets into my vein and I get crazy. So yeah, no rum for Gabby. <laughs> Yeah, no, Jesse, I think you're right. Uh, the, only, the only thing I can compare, uh, I'd say the highest strength mezcals I like send my head a bit west. So if you like, I don't know, the things that are like 55 plus percent, that they send me a bit um, a bit hyperactive, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, the kind of, the drunk or like the kind of the, the feel you get from uh, drinking agave is definitely uh, a more positive, has a more positive impact on my body, especially uh, than it does with the spirits. That's mm. But yeah, I think you have to just drink agave though. If you're drinking agave and then beer and then other things, I think that's when people get like the crossover of like, oh, I feel I felt shit the next day. So yeah, and, and who gets go, for that? Yeah, I think if you're going agave, you have to be 100% agave all the time. Yeah. And you, Jesse, do you have any other drink that you don't drink, or? Um, no, not really. I used to not drink uh, Scotch whiskey. Yeah, whiskey is surprising to a lot of people. But I rediscovered it. And again, this is, you know, to John's point, I rediscovered it because I went to Scotland, I went to the distilleries, and it clicked. Could have been the same product I was drinking a year before and not enjoying, and all of a sudden I just kind of understood it better. So mm -hmm. I, had, I had an appreciation for it. I think that's a good point, John, about visiting... Anyone who can visit a distillery, even if it's just a local gin distillery, I think there's a lot of value to, to understanding the process behind it. I, th I think that uh, people do that a lot with food, don't they? And I don't think it's not the first thought on the mind. Is it with alcohol where it's like, well, actually, if you go and find the quality of it, there's, there's differences there and in how it, how it makes you feel afterwards as well. So yeah. it's important. True. 
True, true, true. Definitely. About everything, no? Where you see how people work, how people behave, how they're making the product and everything, and it makes you think, oh my God, it's not just like somebody just chucking everything on a machine and doing it. It's more about uh, people super happy being there, working, and somehow it gives you the sense that, uh, oh my God, I've been drinking that and... Uh, and yeah, delicious. Yeah, you do delicious things somehow. Matt, did you, did you mention you struggle with with whiskey too, or you you just know that it's a common one? No, it's a common it's a common thing, isn't it, with whiskey that it kind of it really messes with people. That's the biggest one that I know. Um, and then you know it can kind of like blind people out. That's the way I think we're blind. What kind of whiskey? What, what whiskey are we talking about here? Are we, are we talking like Scotch or are we talking like all whiskey? Or? General, I suppose. I think, yeah, isn't it? I think it has a thing. It has a, definitely, I see it have an effect on people, especially it can knock people absolutely senseless, especially if you don't drink it. But again, it's like if you know about it, you know what you're drinking, you'll drink it the right way. Whereas, you know, other people are like pounding it down. It's absolute killer. And you can feel it the next day seeping out of you. It's, it is depressing, like depressing hangover. Scotch. Scotch is like the lowest on my uh, likability of all alcohols. But then I'll drink rye and I'll drink nice bourbons. But Scotch is like, oh, it is. I can, when, when as a bartender, someone like, oh, can I have an Ardbeg? Or, you know, and I'd be like, what? And then they'd be like, oh, the frag. And you're like, oh, my. Yeah, it's a bottle of TCP. You know, drink that instead. John, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you, man. So I used to, I used to joke that tequila tequila was my wife and uh and american whiskey or bourbon was my was my mistress you know yeah. it's like my second my second love but uh no 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 scotch i finally kind of got it but i used to be like you man it used to be like the last thing i would want to drink yeah i, I yeah. do scotch though i, I really like if you get a really good 18 year old or something like that I, it's hard to beat especially just to sit there he's shaking his head but uh, no, <laughs> But, um, you know, it's their own. Japanese whiskey is actually not too bad. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about gin? I love gin. My second after tequila is gin. Yeah. Oh, hang on. I no, mind. John, you mind. and me now. <laughs> I don't mind a gin martini. Only tequila. A gin martini or the occasional gin and tonic. But um, yeah. this whole gin craze, oh, man. Ah, yeah, well, that, that, that got a little bit annoying, definitely. But uh, gin after tequila is gin, definitely. You're going to start, John, a new podcast there about gin. Yeah. Gin is you could start a podcast just on stuff I don't like. That <laughs> I'd be a long yeah. one, John. Yeah, I would think. Gin, I, I could do an hour on reasons why you shouldn't drink gin. No, I could eat stuff an hour on that. Negroni. See, I, I see. I don't mind Negronis, however, right? Yeah, I but it's just because average. it's full of sugar of the other two... The average person that drinks them, I don't think they actually like them. I think they're just drinking them because they're cool or they've had someone else. And I've had friends who've seen me order Negroni, right? Didn't order one with me at the time. And then they've been somewhere, ordered one because they've heard me order it. And then text me and be like, what the fuck's this? And, I, and I'm just like, it's what it tastes like. And he goes, you're sick in the head, you. You drink that. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And I think that happens an awful lot where people still tend, like, I don't know, Apple spritzes as well. I don't get them either. There's much more refreshing drinks than Tava. Gin and tonics much more refreshing than Apple spritz. But that, that's my opinion anyway. For me, I like short drinks and yeah, usually very strong, definitely. So that's yeah, why I like Negroni, but eventually I feel the sugar. I suppose it's got that very bad aftertaste, really, like a very bitter one. So the, the, the sugar's first, isn't it? Well, everyone's part's different. That bitterness definitely. at the end. 
is can be a bit much. I have them before a meal because it mm. go for the palate. But um, no, I wouldn't be like on a, on a general night out, you know. No, I feel but like a Negroni. Uh, <laughs> no, I want one. <laughs> Ooh, I, you know, no, are good though. Uh, if you sous vide a Negroni, so you do a, a bottle aged Negroni, it, it takes a little bit of bitterness out of it, and uh, you can do all sorts of stuff from them. I that, like that's both. the point. I like the bitterness, and I don't like when people age Negronis because usually it gets all blended, <laughs> and you don't really feel all the flavors. <laughs> but let me tell you, Agostina just did one that I love. Basically, it's a Negroni classic. Uh, but then you put only a, a float of uh, mezcal, and yeah. somehow it just changes. And it's a it's a negroni with the three layers of the, the three ingredients, plus the somehow the smokiness just gets there, and it's just delicious. So yeah. almost like a negringo, but you know, negringo, oh. which will be what? Uh, what? It's like a rosita, like a rosita, but with mezcal instead of tequila. Uh, what what do you put in there, John? You put a bit of tequila and a bit of mezcal, or just just no, mezcal? just me- mez- mezcal, campari, sweet vermouth. Ah, nice. see, so okay, so I'm a mez- uh, negroni with mezcal instead. In this case, it's just a negroni, normal negroni, but with mezcal. Everything is better with mezcal, right, Gabby? I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> I want to move a little bit onto the global phenomenon that is tequila. Obviously, at the minute we we're unable to travel anywhere. So it's probably got your mind wondering about where you miss traveling to. And I know, I know Jesse and Gabby probably travel quite a lot for work. Where, where have you kind of, uh, well, specifically on the te- agave tequila scene, where have you seen like, where's one of your favorite places or new, new scenes? And how do you think it's changed over like the last few years? So I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to get to travel a lot within my position. Um, so I've missed a number of trips in the last six weeks, uh, including things like the, the Mediterranean Bar Show, which was in, supposed to be in Cyprus, uh, Greece, which is a really good market for us, big tequila market, surprisingly, Greece, um, Holland, which is another great market for us, Portugal, same. And I was supposed to be out in Asia, obviously, when all of this started, uh, which did not happen, uh, Hong Kong and Singapore. And, and Hong Kong is probably my favorite. Why Hong Kong? Uh, it's hard to explain, man. It's a very cool city in itself, apart from the bar scene. But the bar scene, especially, I think it gets overshadowed by Singapore. But I just think there's a lot of cool stuff going on over there. People love their tequila. They drink a lot of tequila there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Greece, like I said, Greece is a big market for tequila. And that's just such a wonderful place, man. The Greeks, um, you know, very similar to Italians, that kind of Southern European feel. Just so hospitable and warm uh, people. Uh, so yeah, just everywhere, man. I like. I love to get around, <laughs> discover new places too. Any new scenes popped up over the last few years? You think, whoa, I mean, Greece? I wouldn't have thought Greece either, to be honest. I know got Greece because of Jesse. Otherwise, I wouldn't know anything about Greece's tequila scene. Greece, and I, you know, I'm I'm the wrong person to ask, but there was a point where I think Greece as a market was, I think it was the third biggest in the world for Jose Cuervo, something like that. It was, it's there's 11 million people there, something like that. Again, I'm probably getting all this wrong, but it is a huge, huge market for tequila, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know why that is, but uh, I think it just goes hand in hand with the culture, doesn't it? That kind of beach culture, nice, um, you know, weather down there 
to me, tequila just fits into that perfectly. I agree. I will second to to Jesse. I think, I mean, I haven't traveled as much as Jesse has done it. I, uh, I work more in Europe and uh, sometimes I travel to Latin America, particularly Mexico. But I did notice that uh, Greece has a certain thing. I mean, Greece and Italy, I can I can see that. And I've been seeing that for many years as well. But uh, Greece somehow adopted it. And what I understand is what Jesse was saying as well is uh, right now, the biggest market for tequila in general is Spain. And it's not very much. I mean, the first is Mexico, then is US for many millions of liters and second to, to um, Spain. In the old school times before their credit crunch, they were the biggest consumer of tequila. I, I didn't know it was only a, for a particular brand, but I'm assuming because that particular brand kept records and uh, and well, well, they were the biggest uh, brand. Jesse, that uh, when we met, we actually met in an island in Greece. It was a wedding of a very good friend, and we were in this tiny island called Paxos, or Paxi in, in Greek, which somehow was packed with tequila. I'm not sure if you remember that, but we were drinking tequila from, from the elbows, as we say in Mexico, like everywhere. There was tequila everywhere. And, uh, and also, there were many ambassadors of tequila there, or brand owners, and they actually sent cases of tequila only for that particular wedding. Uh, what's happened is that we finished with the uh, all the tequila in the island, which was great. And apparently someone had to send somebody to go to Corfu to buy more and da da da. But anyway, I mean, I'm sure that that, that night the, uh, the tequila uh, consumption was extremely high. And uh, and yeah, again, Greece, I'll go for that. But again, I haven't actually seen many other places where um, where people is drinking tequila nowadays. I think somehow uh, mezcal is is getting there, and many people are actually switching from uh, tequila to mezcal. So like, if tequila was their initiator, you know, like the the beginning of of uh, an agave love. And uh, yeah, that's what I see. And, and um, what I love as well from Italy is the passion. Notice how Milan and Rome and all the people, which anyway, obviously we know, are very passionate about it. And they're making the category, I mean, they're very proud of it. And, uh, and I love it. Their passion is amazing as well. So yeah, for me, Greece and Italy. Drinking tequila from the elbows? I haven't heard that. <laughs> that's Mexican. <laughs> That's cool. Sexist baby. Sexist is, uh, yeah, uh, sexist is amazing. I, I, obviously, me, me and Jessica have a friend there called Alba, um, and she's got uh, a few bars which had influence in over the years. But yeah, so everywhere from Austin to Houston to Dallas, uh, where we've been in Texas, the tequila scene's been uh, amazingly good. And yeah, you can really see it in the, in the bar scene there that it's, it's definitely a culture that people have adapted to and at first thing in the US it was just New York and LA and LA because obviously Boris and Mexico they were like the two places where you know tequila was being mainly sold <clears throat> but Texas is definitely uh, a good place to, to witness the, uh, any kind of agave scene and what I don't like that scene in bars and Gabby mentioned it then is that you, you see people making the transition to Mezcal very early so if you go to Berlin 
um, for example. But most Berlin back bars will have like five mezcals and then two tequilas. Yeah, you're like, you've got the long way, the long way round. Do do the do tequila first, and then you know get on to the more you know adventurous stuff. Because I think it's obviously everyone everyone in this forum here knows that mezcal is such a bigger, wider, diverse category than than tequila. And I just think that when someone said, "Oh, I like mezcal," it's like, well, it's a very general term. You know, it's you know, you won't get into what mezcal is because you know, obviously. It's you could start, you know, being an absolute boffin and saying, "Well, technically, you know, tequila's a mezcal and, and and whatnot." But you know, I think it's uh, one of these situations when they say, "I think it's like a, a thing where it's just to be cool." I like mezcal, and that's it. I, I also think Berlin and Germany, in particular, I found exactly the same thing that you did. And I know, Gabby, you were in Berlin just before I was last year, so I'll be curious to to, to, see, to hear what you think. But my theory is that one particular brand, which accounts for about 75%-ish of all tequila sales in Germany, has kind of put yeah, people off of that. Yeah. Hey, the, I got you. Are you talking about Jose Cuevro? No, I'm talking about a, a German brand with a little red hat on it, a little red somewhere. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when people think of tequila in Germany, they associate it with one specific product. and mescal to them they had kind of a clean slate in the last five years let's say oh, that makes sense you know that's my theory that's my theory mescal has a um a new way a new open no it's like if it's a whole new category right for the cool kids and they're doing things right and many people actually said it's because mescal is learning from the mistakes from tequila because it's yeah. true, tequila is not a bad product. And it's not because one product is better than the other one. It's simply that the laws, the norms that we've got in tequila are a much more flexible and mezcal notice. No, no, no. People know that people can cut corner from there and from there and from there and they, they get there. I know in mezcal they say, no, no, you have to go all the way if you want, if you want to be part of our denomination. So somehow this is how I see the whole... Uh, thing of well in this case Germany but uh, yeah I suppose also many many other brands will learn from the mistakes I hope cool. I think that's a good point Abby I'd never thought about it quite that way but I think I think that's a very good point that that we can say that mezcal learned from tequila's mistakes I mean you know whatever we want to call it yeah well, exactly yeah. yeah I think I, you know what it's having a great insight because I'll probably. 100% use your analogy there of uh, mezcal to someone else at some stage. And, you know, I'll be like, from my observations, I've, I've noticed that <laughs> I won't mention your name at all. <laughs> so uh, let's talk specifically like bars. I, I know, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking a little bit about the scenes and country. Any, any that you've been missing? Gabby, you want to go first? Well, I will be very honest. I actually visited the, the first day that uh, they were actually closing the um, uh, when when I went to visit them, and I was like, oh, I was looking for one more one last tequila, no? but no, I couldn't. Uh, they were cleaning the bar, and that was Cafe Pacifico, one of my favorites. If it wasn't that one for me, one of my favorites was El Nivel. In fact, I told Jesse many times that uh, since El Nivel closed, I haven't been drinking enough tequila. I just go there, you just pass by, you're working around the area or something, and then you just go there and you have a lovely chat and everything. And 
And those kind of places are the places that I like, that uh, there is no fuss, there is no stiffness, there is uh, always a friendly smile if you want to eat, there is food and things like that. So for me, Cafe Pacifico. Yeah. If Thank it's you. Over, the, over the world, uh, you're welcome. If it's over the world, I recently saw uh, or met uh, this beautiful bar called uh, Barro Negro in Atenas, in Athens, oh. and it's lovely as well, and it was great, and you get the feeling of the party uh, thing of, uh, of, the, of the Greeks. Um, I met the owners, uh, one of those is a very dear friend of mine called Estelios, who is uh, the global ambassador to to Jose Cuervo, in fact, he's lovely and he said, no, 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 this bar has to be open for, for everybody and everything. But again, you get the feeling of the party, of how how Greek party. And also the, the place is beautiful. So yeah, uh, that, that will be possibly my my favorite. And my other one, which is uh, La Capilla in, in Tequila Town. Yeah, that I haven't been uh, for many years already. I went to Tequila just in January, but uh, just for the birthday of Don Javier, who suddenly passed away. A month after, but uh, he was the one who tends that bar, and and it's still like miss it. He was lovely. I read as well. You have a, a love for Montgomery Place. It used to be in Notting Hill. I know me and John yeah. are a big fan of that bar. It's not there anymore. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, lovely. Uh, I love it as well. Yeah, those kind of places for me as well. Montgomery Place was a place that opened somehow the doors to other places to open the eyes for a tequila. Why I'm saying this? Because there was a moment when you just saw tequila as a drink in only Mexican bars. But then you saw places as elegant as Montgomery Place was, as innovation, there was innovation and there was also classic drinks and everything. And they were using very good tequilas, doing in a very good way and make them fun. And somehow that opened the door. And I can tell you now, for me, per se, going to the same people, now at the Connaught Hotel, one of the first hotel bars in, in in London to use tequila as a kind of a, one of the, the main uh, products. And when I say that, perhaps Jesse will not let me lie over here that uh, tequila is not very well sold in hotel bars because obviously, usually uh, people who go to this kind of five-star hotel, um, I mean, mostly, uh, they don't drink tequila. They will go and drink whiskey and uh, and cheap martinis and things like that, but tequila is almost forgotten. And a nice thing that ties into Montgomery Place is last time I walked by the the old site, it was Peotito, it was a Mexican place. Um, and of course, Stefano, who we already mentioned, used to work at Con- uh, not Con- Montgomery Place, and Jack <laughs> Hubbard and Ago. Correct. No, I so it's all it's all tying tying into the family here. Yeah, I'm a stop that bar was like one of the best bars in the world ever. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a tough area. It's a really tough area, uh, Notting Hill. Uh, nowadays, you go there. It's uh, I did a pop up for El Bandito at uh, Trail Happiness for uh, Brujo Mezcal, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just ten years ago. Like uh, Notting Hill was like it was a, a, a scene. You know, Jake had just opened up um Star. And then uh, you had Trail Happiness and Montgomery Place around the corner. You mm-hmm. had the Mexican Taco Place. Yeah, in Lonsdale. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you had Lonsdale around the corner as well. Camino. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one. Uh, you had that there. And then, um, yeah, I think so. But surely, I think as the residents have changed in that area or they got older, I, I don't think the nightlife is as vibrant. 
But um, Jake's still got quite a big restaurant bar there, hasn't he? Now he's there where the gin, gin distillery is. Hotel, isn't it? So. Yeah. Hotel, yeah. I've, yeah, I've already been to Jake's place, new place uh, a handful of times. Yeah. <laughs> I, I spoke to Jake not so long ago, actually. He told me he's making a hand sanitizer. Oh, uh, uh, good. Good for him. Yeah, he's like one of those frontline people doing doing these things and whatever else. But. Yeah, I, I, read, I read before this, actually, they're looking to use the agave plant to make hand sanitizer. I'm sure it said it was in Australia. Oh, that, that, no, don't do that. Jesus. It takes eight years to grow a plant and you're going to make it into hand sanitizer. <laughs> That's what you, you can make different distillates into it instead of that. That's just a long way around to go to make hand sanitizer. That. Yeah, true, true. So, Jesse, what about your favorite bars around the world? What are you pining for at the moment? I'm, I'm just I'm going to go real quick. I'm going to go... Uh, west to east in my head in a, in a world map but I have to say I haven't thought Gabby and, and any of you guys who have been to Crazy Homies I haven't thought of that place in years and I missed that that place was crazy that was in Westbourne Grove uh, Notting yeah. Hill basically crazy place but I would say I think someone already said Tommy's in uh, obviously in San Francisco before which uh, John knows very well in Houston, Texas. It's just an amazing agave spirits bar. Um, La Cata, which sadly is just closed in... in yeah, Kipa. I saw that. Yeah. Which is, which is really sad for me, but, you know, so I guess it's, there's going to be a lot of that, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep things positive uh, here. Um, and then Portugal, uh, Pistole Corazon, Amazing place, uh, Copenhagen. <laughs> yeah, the barking dog. That's what I was. Barking dog is amazing. One yeah. of the easy, easy top five favorites in the world. Um, Camion here in London. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, Camion. <laughs> and yeah, that would probably be mine in a, in a nutshell. We we were, we were actually gonna. Me and John, we're gonna do. We're gonna do a tour. We met the barking dog, and we had a tour of Copenhagen. We were we were quite far into sorting that out. I think Likov was the other one where we were gonna gonna do yeah. the around. And obviously got um Rosario Sanchez there as well. Is yeah. uh, was gonna do the food and all that. I don't know why we didn't there was a reason we didn't well, we, we we finished the um we finished the Oaxaca pop up didn't we? Uh-huh. And then we had a few business uh things and then we opened the market. Yeah uh, that's why. Uh, yeah a few million quid later. Uh, I decided not to do, <laughs> not to go through that pop up in Copenhagen. We haven't done your uh, right. So I'm different these days. I don't really enjoy bars as much. I, I love hotels and hotel bars. Ooh, la la. I think the thing I'm missing the most is probably being on a holiday and having a drink. So just in general, just like a, a beach bar or subscription, um, having like a Miami Vice. Uh, I know it's wrong based, but yeah, I, I like I like my uh, tropical tiki drinks when I'm all day. Yeah, or I'm in a hotel bar, it's kill old fashioned. What about what, what's your best hotel bars? <laughs> uh, I see it's it's biased, isn't it? Because I think when you know I go to certain bars and if they know who you are, you get treated a little bit differently. So you know I can say, oh, this is a good bar to go to, but it's only really from the experience that I see. So if I go if I go to Connaught and I goes there. It's, it's just a different experience, you know what I mean? And someone could go in there like a celebrity and just be in the corner and order a gin and tonic and be left alone and have pretty much just a, an experience that they could have had anywhere. But I think when you, you know, certain hotel bars, you can, you know, it's like getting spoiled a little bit. 
And um, I do like bars more like that. So Schumann's in Munich, and obviously that you've been, um, that's my kind of bar. But they seem to be few and far between these days. And I don't know whether that's down to the likes of me and you, Matt, that have opened up these, you know, bars where it's like, bite the all the time when you go in there. And, you know, I do like a more chilled, relaxed environment to have a drink. Might be an age thing. Might be, might not, you know, almost 40 and then that. I think Copenhagen's a great, great scene. Like, it, it is, but um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, like Texas again, Austin, Texas is amazing. Like, you can go on such a good night out in Austin, Texas, and you can go to that main street in Austin, Texas, and the bars that are there, I think it's 6th Street, is it? It's 6th Street. They're all like, they play live music and they've got like a very good music culture going on and you won't go in there and find particularly you know high-end cocktail menus or whatever but they are fun and i suppose that's like a good night out to go home with friends and i suppose the last time i went was um when i took the gsg tour to uh we were through texas to uh, mexico and we were with staff and friends and it was a very good time but yeah i mean last time i went there was with uh, my wife when we went to dallas to see a, a ufc fight and um, she, she equally liked it as well before uh, Austin, Texas was amazing. I only put this on you before, but do you, any of you have any uh, like crazy stories you, you, you stick out in your mind? I've, I've had a few crazy ones so far on the series, but... Yeah, I'll, I'll go first because my one's quite funny. Uh, so I'd, I'd just been to uh, Guadalajara for the first time and I was smuggling back maybe 20 bottles of agave and I was not going to declare it at customs. So um, I was with a guy who used to work for us called Danny Mack. And so we had about 10 bottles of tequila each hidden in our bags. And uh, Danny, oh, so we were like, um, me and Danny were like two of the only three gringos on the plane that was landing in Dallas, Texas, right? So it was... Basically, me, Danny, this American kid, and then, you know, a plane full of 200 Mexicans. So we, we get off at Dallas and we go for customs. And, you know, you know, all these Mexicans are just going for customs. Like, it's no problem at all. And then all three gringos get pulled over to one side. And I was like, what's going on here? I was like, so anybody pulls over to one side. No, actually, let's meet through customs first. And then they get Danny and then they cart him off. And I'm like, you know, going, what do we do here? And, like, they've got him, like, you know, hands behind his back, marching them towards some office. And then I was like, oh, my God, what do we do here? And then they turn around and see me. And then, obviously, the boss asked them, you know, you travel with anyone? And he said, yeah, me. And then they came back and got me. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then I get to, like, these, this, like, holding area. Like, there was the other gringo and then Danny. And they had all our bags. And they're just pulling out all the bags and they're holding like, like these bottles of tequila up to the light, like looking at them and all that. And I'm like, oh, I was like, what is going on here? And then um, I was like, we've got a connecting flight here to go to London. Don't worry about that. And I was like, well, I've got to worry about it. So at this point, I'm looking at it. I like, we've been there for an hour and a half. And I was like, full on, I am in the weeds here because I have no idea what I've been pulled. And I'm just like, you know, I'm thinking, has Danny like tried to smuggle some weed back or something and not told me? Or, you know, is this other guy on the plane, a, a, a drugs mule? And there's just like, you know, there's three gringos on the plane and we're smuggling drugs. So anyway, they, they tell me I can go. And I was like, well, I can't go. You know, you've got my guy I'm traveling with and they pull him off into a room and they pull him off into a room for obviously like a strip search or, or whatever. And um, 
they come he comes out the room and he's just like um he's just like oh man that was bad that and I was like what happened to you and obviously he's obviously the uh, full on search of him and all that and then um I was like quick we've got to go and then we run off to uh to try and make our play not happened at all so then we had to go to the front desk and they say oh get this plane instead and we were what about our bags and then so the bags with all the tequila in them so the bags all the bags have the tequila in them right so i'm like these bags are on the plane surely uh or they're not on any plane at all so anyway we get on the plane and i'm looking at danny right and i'm like i don't understand why they pulled you and then i realized danny's got a t-shirt that has a needle on it and it says something like I love heroin or something like that and I was like for fuck's sake that's why they pulled you and then yeah our bags went missing didn't, didn't get the bags back for over two weeks and, but um, with the tequila in there? yeah it's all tequila was there and you know I didn't have a chance to declare it anyway so uh, yeah that was that was definitely an experience but uh, yeah so I, I genuinely was in the weeds at that point <laughs> I was like Mm. Yeah, no, nice. Gabby's first concern. No. The, the tequila was okay, right? I mean, you guys yeah. got, got, got violated, you know, cavity searches and everything. As long as tequila was safe. Well, because, yeah, that happened already, yes. Yeah, <laughs> in that consignment of tequila, by the way, was a bottle of El Tesoro Reposado. Remember the old bottle uh, with, like, the, the, the old school label and all that? that was a, kind of yeah. engraved uh, bottle, yeah. Yeah, that was a nice tequila, that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so who's next on the story front? <laughs> who's story? Um, well, I'll tell, I'll tell one this, without me trying to show off too much, but this was, um, so Salma Hayek, you know, luckily for us, is a big fan of Hugo Ocho. You guys may have seen on, like, social media and things. I'm going to um, end out, by the way. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So she always calls me up super last minute to come do events or sponsorships and things and we're of course always super happy ah, to do because it. she lives in london yeah she said look can you come over and sponsor a party i'm doing i said yeah of course um but i got there and they had hired a full catering team probably 50 people it was a huge party um and i was just bringing the tequila but when i got to the back of house nothing was prepared there's supposed to be all these cocktails going out and no, basically no, you know, it was one of those catering things where, you know, they, they wear white gloves and they're, ama they're amazing at service, but there was no kind of bartender and, and they had promised their guests cocktails. So it was just last minute, you know, rolling my sleeves up and me and Will Hawes actually banging oh, out, yeah. you know, I don't know how many, how many couple hundred, few hundred, several hundred cocktails. Um, but it was a great night in the end. But uh, that was that was definitely in the weeds, and 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 a little bit of pressure in the weeds as well with uh, with her guest list. Oh yeah, who was on it? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can say even. Uh, okay. but, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> events, events though. Events are always weeds. Yeah, I, I hate events. Anytime we've ever been said, "Oh, do you want to come and do this event?" I was like, <laughs> "No." Like and like, why? Oh, because it ends up me in a van and low in stock, and you know, I end up working till God knows what time. And ah, oh, no, I, bad. I, I hate doing events. I just oh. What about you, Gabby? Have you got anything? Well, I was actually I even posted a few weeks ago that everybody has a tequila story. I'm sure that I've got many. Uh, perhaps I don't remember a few. Uh, but uh, I don't know a particular one. Uh, nothing really comes to my mind. I think it comes to my mind more that I met so many people through tequila. 
Yeah. And uh, I'm super proud to to represent it as well. So yeah. Um, he must have some stories from Guadalajara. I mean, I, I know, some, I know. I got some crazy stories from Guadalajara. I, I mean, I do. Some, some are uh, extremely disclosure. I mean, I cannot uh, share <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, tequila makes you or gives you somehow high. Um, it makes you feel open and much more lovable and everything. I met so many people, and somehow I feel that sometimes tequila makes even open the heart of people. And uh, and through that, I met so many people. I, I read in, in a bio that it says, you're wild at heart, love motorbikes, love salsa, and you're telling me you've got no story whatsoever. <laughs> Was that was a made-up uh, story for my <laughs> boss. <laughs> I, don't, I dance. That's it. I don't, I don't have a particular way uh, of dancing. Rumors. Just rumors. Rumors, yeah. So, but I was wait, actually so. just asking my husband, uh, remind me a story with tequila, and he said the same. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So, G Gabby, do you know Pancho? I do. Yeah, so, yeah, okay, right. So th this story centers around uh, Pancho had taken me and Nick Thomas to um, a bar in Guadalajara and there was a rock band on the stage and they were like, you know, singing uh, a lot of tunes in English. So like ACDC and, and like, you know, loads of like really good rock and roll tunes and Led Zeppelin and and whatever else, me and Nick were like in this bar, really like, yes, it's amazing. And you know, Pancho's being crazy, he's just like, you know, trying to make all kinds of friends. And, and I go, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom, and in like the urinal next to me, there was a guy smoking crystal meth. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, like, and then because so we're in the UK, you don't obviously see crystal meth or anyone smoking it. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Like that, and this guy goes, "Hey man, it's meth." And I was like, "Goes, do you want some?" And I was like, "No." And he was like, "Come on, man, give it, give it a go." And I was like, "Nah, I'm, I'm all good, bro." And he goes, "Suit yourself." And then I turn around, and as I'm leaving, there's two of them, and I only saw one at first, and then it, I was like really paranoid. And he followed me, and I was like, "Oh." I was like really, really paranoid, and I was like really worried, and I was like, "Right, I have to go and tell Pancho that, like, you know, what just happened." and you know, see what he recommends because obviously I didn't know if it was safe or whatever. And then um, I can't find Pancho and I'm now really paranoid because I can't find Nick. And then all of a sudden um, I look on stage and Nick is singing in this band, a Beatles tune. And like the whole band's playing along and Nick, uh, and he's singing this Beatles tune. And I just like, I thought it was like some sort of like, you know, like a setup, like a prank. I was like, I'd just been off a of crystal meth and then I come out with this band on stage singing a Beatles tune. And then the whole, like the whole bar, which must have been a hundred and some people in the bar were singing along. Oh, it was Hey Jude. It was Hey Jude. They were all singing along Hey Jude while Nick's singing and this band's playing it. And I was just like, he was trying to wave me up and I was like, no. And then these two guys who are just, you know, just tried to give it to my crystal meth them. They're like looking at me. And then he realizes that like, it's my friend on stage. And they came over to me and was like, hey man, is that your friend? And I was like, uh, yeah. And he goes, do, do you think he wants some meth? I was like, no, I don't think he does. And uh, yeah, that was that, really. And I was like really paranoid because I had no idea about how I was at all. 
I've got video of all this, by the way. It's, it's amazing. But I love the story minus the crystal meth. But hey, Gabby, not so now you you don't have any uh, in the tequila stories. Now now you have one. This is John has gifted you this story. Yeah, yeah. you can just say replace me, you know, and then it can be Argo singing on stage instead. <laughs> well, cool. So yeah. So, I mean, there's another story of your podcast there, man. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, hopefully, you know, these um, we get more of these stories when we kind of get out of this situation. You know, for you guys are in London right now, right? So, Gabby, yeah. how have you? Well, and John as well. How have you all adapted to to isolation? For me, it's more relaxed and uh, yeah, just a lot of self thinking. <laughs> I am. Um, uh, my husband usually travels a lot, and now that I have him at home, it's a bit uh, uh, funny, no? Like uh, uh, this is my house, no? Like I feel like he just moved in, so it's, it's funny that uh, I did a special space in my room, and I let him <laughs> enjoy the living room. So I've got my yoga spot in my room and a little more space and everything, and he's more in the in the office sort of uh, area, in the living room. And he's he's very busy, and I'm very quiet. So, yeah, I uh, I think we do a good team, the yin and the yang. Yin and the yang. How about you, Jesse? I'm keeping busy with work, man. Just doing a lot of these live streams, so not not podcasts per se, but you know, doing a series of live streams. We've got Julio on Julio Bermejo on Wednesday. Should be a good one. Honestly, for me, I know this is terrible. Sounds terrible, but I'm a real introvert. I'm very introverted, so I'm not really miss it's been six weeks self-isolating but i'm not really missing the I'm, I'm quite happy alone i think for extroverts i just think in this in this situation it's it must be like torture yeah. people who just get energy and, and feed off of being around other people um you know i've got family members and friends who are really extroverted and this is a tough tough time for them so i'm, I'm grateful for, for myself that i happen to be very introverted i'm quite happy to just chill out I'm surprised at that though. I thought you'd be, I thought you'd be the opposite of that. You're outgoing all the time. I suppose it is work. But. In our industry, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of the black sheep, man. But it just means that I love, I love being around people. I love interacting, and it's not that I'm not outgoing. It's just that's how I get my energy is being alone. So I, I weekends just don't talk to anyone, and and recharge. You know what, Jesse? Now that you mentioned that, I never actually put attention to myself in that way. Uh, but I feel that I'm very similar. I'm introvert. Uh, when I used to work in bars, that was a long time ago already. But I remember that sometimes people ask me, how did I spend my day off? When one day, perhaps, I went out just to kind of release all that uh, energy and also see friends is good for energy. But there was at least one day for me that I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wanted to just to be alone at home and... Uh, Perhaps do things, but be by myself. And another thing, Jesse, I was going to say that um, the other day talking again with my husband, we were saying how uh, you're very um, clever. You you know how to reinvent yourself every time there is something. You know how to get to another thing. So you're doing very good things, Jesse. Who? Well done. You? Me? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, with the, with the interviews and everything, you're doing very well. That's a very nice compliment. Thank you, Gabby. Mm, de nada. John? Oh man, I've been so bored. <laughs> I, I, I mean, so I've been really bored. I mean, so my, my days usually consist of, and I mean, particularly have a day off. So uh, I usually get up and then I'll 
go to the car, I'll ring Matt from the car usually and see when he's in work, what he's doing, and then I'll go check a number of sites, usually start for Paul Street Coffee and then check Slims over the road and, you know, do the rounds and see the staff, the managers, the exec chef, you know, me and Matt will have a meeting. And then from there, I'll probably go to the gym and then go back to work sometimes. And I suppose that routine that I've had for years is just now... Like I've got business partners who like I speak to every single day, usually when the uh, site's operational, that I just haven't spoken to. And they've just they've been self-isolating or doing whatever they do. And, you know, just it's, yeah, just been a bit of a shock. I mean, I've got hobbies that I've done for years and I'm shelved them because of uh, work, like golf. So I've tried doing a bit of golf since we've been... Uh, in isolation but you know one of my other hobbies is jiu-jitsu and can't really be doing that so yeah i mean in the day no i'm starting one this week this week literally i've promised myself i'm gonna plan my day out like you know even even some stupid like breakfast from nine till ten and then like you know from ten o'clock till eleven check emails or whatever else but it's just the stupid things like my phone broke and I can't go and get a new phone, so I have to go and find an old phone, and then everything, everything like in my old phone is like so old. So I was even I was speaking to Jesse earlier about uh, his dad, and I was like, I'll message his dad, and then I was like, I haven't got his number like in this phone, and I was like, you know, and then Matt, you mentioned about emails to me, and I'm like, I can't get into the emails on that phone. I've got to go on the iPad to go and get them, and th- that's just something very small, like I could have done in like you know, within an hour, went to a phone shop and got my phone fixed. And yeah, I suppose that, that kind of stuff has affected me, just not being able to have like that instantaneous life that, um, you know, or, or life on our terms, because it's not life on our terms. And maybe that's something about society at the moment, that because it's not on our terms, you know, people don't adapt. And, mm. But you know, I've had, I've had fun sitting in the house. My cat's think that like my cats who barely see me and I was like why are you always here like <laughs> they must be thinking that about you though <laughs> no they are the thing that the, the, the cats look at me going like why are you here yeah, why you disappear now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah the cats are funny so I mean have you two that uh, Matt knows I've got two cats I've got two oriental cats and they're the brothers and they're they're not like normal normal animals they're very hyperactive and they catch and kill a lot of things. And, you know, it's not like your normal domestic cat. You see, you know, wandering around. I've got a rather large garden, and they're always in the garden, like, you know, chasing squirrels, birds, anything. And just just been very unique to see them, just very active all the time. One of them's quite fat. So I'm like, how are you so fat? You're out all the time catching things. And, yeah, that's been quite a unique experience, seeing them. But uh, I don't know, if you, are your dogs like that, Matt? Because obviously your dogs... You know what, the dogs, we've, we've uh, my mum's taken them and because of how, how much work the girls are in the houses, I've got two, I've got twins who are like two and a half. So like the reason I have to do this at 8pm is because they're in bed. So I took a Zoom call today at three. I have to go, hey girls, I'm going to work now. Drive the car around the corner and then take the call and sit in the car. My neighbor's like, what are you doing? Oh, no, I'm working in the car. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck it. Oh, okay. And I come back in, I've just been to work, so I kind of like think there's something going on. sitting outside, just pull the blinds. Mad, mad experience. So yeah. People are learning a lot about themselves and more about other people and what they need as well, I think, from this. That's a good in-the-weeds story. 
for you, Matt. <laughs> the, the, the kids, the twins, and you've got to go in your office in the car around the corner. I honestly can't get nothing done because they, they find me. They find me like your your cats will be trying to find you now. They, yeah. they just come and like, they just don't let you drag on. It's just the age they're at, but you know, I, I, it's been good to be at home with them on, on the other side of it as well. Oh, so. no, no, I've had, I've had sort of routine in terms of like, I do, uh, I started doing a lot of stretches because uh, I've never done yoga or anything. And then when I've done like bodybuilding, it's like, it's like anti body to an extent because you can't stretch or do anything so I've been doing that uh, and then I'll yeah I'll, I'll like have activities throughout the day so I'll do like you know an hour playing golf and then I'll have a, an hour doing weights and then stuff like that. I don't know I just, I've got some sort of routine I just, I'd like it more documented hence mm-hmm. like uh, and I know uh, Matt I'll know this but we have like a Google Calendar and if we have a meeting it just goes in the calendar and then it's like kind of your day plan for you it's like okay so I've got to be here at that time and do these things I do miss that it's like well I look at my calendar it's like yes got nothing in today uh, I'll just uh, get up late not in Google Calendar it didn't happen <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah I mean that's how our lives are usually planned I mean yeah but maybe yes you should put something in your calendar or ideas what you do even what to yeah. watch there is so many seminars as well going on well whether yeah. you have the one well, with uh, Jesse and Julio So I found out Harvard, I've got uh, free courses you can do online. Uh, and I was going to do an economics course. Uh, yeah. I'll be, yeah. But yeah, you're right. You know, even like if you're going to watch something, put it in your calendar. So you definitely do it because I've definitely mm-hmm. noticed that like, you know, people are saying about days just merging into one. And yeah. like the other day, someone asked me what, what day was as a joke. And I genuinely could not tell you the day. Yeah. <laughs> me too. I don't think you're alone, John. I think that's, that's happening the whole yeah. It was Friday, right? And I couldn't have told you it was Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. I thought it was like Tuesday or something. I just uh, didn't know. And you and felt I, guilty. I, I know I had to check and be like, no, are you? It's really Friday, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Because Friday for me and Matt is like usually a big thing. You know, you see how busy the restaurants are and the bars and yeah. You know, you get like you debriefs the other night, like how busy certain things have been and whatnot. So it's to not like have that in your routine is just crazy. And I, I just actually don't know how people are going to go back to normal. That's like I just look and go, how how's the world? Can I go back to normal? I reckon so some I some people will grieve this. I think they'll get so used to this. We'll be like, whoa. Oh, I'm, I'm, and after like my friends difficult integrating into society, like I honestly do. There'd be a lot of, oh. lot of issues from it. Because well, also there is, there is going to be a lot of self-thinking and there is a lot of people who are going to say, well, I wasn't actually planning to stay in this industry. I was just passing by and then somehow I got yeah. here. Yeah, But yeah. maybe it's time to move on, to study something, to do something different. So you never know. As you say, perhaps we will get a distillation of uh, uh, people. Yeah, I can't wait to go back to work. I've got like... Me and Matt have been talking about little projects we're going to do and stuff. Well, not little, actually some big projects. Me and Matt do want to make our own tequila at some stage. Uh, we will probably pursue that now. Um, so having the projects that are uh, quarantine-proof, so to speak, they're going to be things that I want to look into. Like, you know, if, for example, if we had a tequila now, exactly. you know, although the sales of tequila would be uh, relatively you know, less than what they would be when you were trading normally, you'd still be trading and doing something rather than, I don't know, me and Matt are like, You know, should we do a takeaway in the restaurants? And then you're like, well, if we do, then we've got to pay rent and staff and 
you know, then it's like, you know, it doesn't really make much sense to do because you're looking at how much money you're going to have to turn over to make that, to make that work. What, what do you think the future of Agave is going to look like? Just, do you think there's going to be any change from this? I don't think, I don't think, well, I, I hope I'm right. I hope I'm not wrong. Uh, I don't think this specific virus will have a massive effect one way or another on the tequila industry. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong, but it's more issues of you know shortages and other things we're seeing um, right now. But uh, no, I hope I'm 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 not wrong. But uh, I don't think it'll have a big impact. That's just my my point of view. I I will say something very similar as well. Uh, if there is something, it will be perhaps a little bit more care in a certain um, methods. Per se, if uh, tequila is pressed with a tajonam, perhaps it uh, will be much less people in the, around the tajona. But in reality, after you ferment and you distill, perhaps there is nothing to worry over there. So again, I don't think I don't think there will be much change, and I hope there won't be much change. I really hope for the best that uh, we we will find a, a cure soon. Yep. And uh, and it will be another uh, health issue that we will have to look after, but uh, but they won't make us change as uh, as it is happening now. I hope. I think uh, I think it'll be slow to get back to normal uh, a couple of months or so before people are comfortable about being out and about again normally. But I think once that does happen and the comfort zone is broken, I think people are going to go out a lot more and not take it for granted as much. Because I think um, people are taking for granted an awful lot being able to just go out for a meal or go out to have a drink in a bar. And I think as soon as people get over those things, I think, um, yeah, we'll see a bit of a boo at some stage. Maybe not for the holiday industry at first, but uh, I think certainly uh, within the UK, I think we'll see some sort of little boo. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I think think everyone's going to need a tequila after this anyway, you know. So, one final message is solidarity or positivity for anyone listening. Just to just to look for the silver linings in these times. Um, you know, it's it's just it's a lot of terrible stuff going on right now. If not us being affected very directly, at least for you know people, friends we know, loved ones who are uh, you know, God forbid, are are are, are sick or worse. Um, and businesses being very hurt. But I think just to look for those silver linings and, you know, what Sophie said is, you know, maybe maybe um, some businesses go under, but maybe it just means we need some some new beginnings. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a tough time. I just think we need to look for any positivity we can right now. I'd like to say something. Um, this is perhaps more in a personal uh, way that uh, many people actually are posting things, no? like um, posts that said that if you didn't uh, read one or two books, if you didn't learn a new course, if you didn't do this or that or the other, then uh, so a little bit more pressure on, uh, on learning, on, on developing, on, uh, on doing different uh, tasks and everything. I don't think right now is, is the moment on thinking that uh, that you have to do things. I think right now it is uh, is a challenge, not only because we are not working, but it's also giving us a challenge mentally. And right now, many people will suffer things. They will re- um, they will uh, realize that so many things are wrong. 
or again, uh, there will be a lot of developing of uh, mental health. And we know that in our industry, a lot of people suffer from that. So it's not the moment to think that you have to learn something, that you have to do exercise all the time, and you have to be fit and you have to be precise. And, and uh, no, I think right now the moment is think in yourself, uh, in your case per se, in your family, in, uh, in being okay with you. There is no rush to learn anything because in reality we are passing through a very difficult time. And again, uh, mental health is very, very important. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Um, my, my my comments would be um, that once we are we are past this and out of it, I think people need to appreciate you know the actual lives a, a bit more. I know you have that like that ongoing joke about people um, who don't want to go out or don't want to do things and just want to sit in the house and you know watch TV and they always make excuses for not doing things. I think everyone needs to to realise that. You know, there are, there are some people that will enjoy this, but there's others that, you know, won't. And I think those that aren't enjoying it, once we are past this, need to appreciate that, you know, you do have a life and you need to live it and you need to get out there and go and do the things that you want to go and do and not keep on making excuses for, you know, why you shouldn't, should or shouldn't do things. And you want to go and do something, then you should go and do it. Like those places that you've always wanted to go. Now we're being told we can't go places or we can't do these things. But I think when we come out of this, people should, take you know their freedom you know not for granted and go i can go and go to that place or that country or i can go and have a coffee in my favorite coffee shop or i can go out for dinner i think people should see that as the freedom that they never knew they had and uh take it take it you know for what it is i suppose because i know i i miss my freedom and uh you know i'd like to have that again someday. Why, why, when it's for more, I think. So I just want to just thank, thanks everyone for the time and coming on tonight. It's been great. Thank big, you. Big thanks to Jesse as well. And, and big love to his, um, his dad, Tomas, who's recovering from a, an accident. So big love to, to Tomas if he's listening as well. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thank you very much. I'll, pa- I'll pass that on. And, and when this is up live, I'll be sure to, uh, to send this to him. He'll, he'll have a listen. That'll mean a lot to him. Thanks again, everybody, and I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. And thanks again to my wonderful guests. Very difficult getting a group podcast together in times of isolation, but I think the audio's come out well and the guests are great. So as always, though, you can leave me feedback or subscribe on my social media at Fazmangoes or go to my website at mattyfarrell.co.uk. To chat to any of the guys about tequila, they're all on Instagram. Uh, Jesse Estes is Jesse Ocho. Gabby Moncada is Gabby Moncada 1 and John Ennis is Santa Tequila. Next week, we have Mr. Tom Hetherington joining us, the man behind the Northern Restaurant and Bar Shows. Always in for a great conversation with Tom. So, guys, stay safe, have a great bank holiday and we'll see you next Friday. Bye-bye.